Business leaders today need to go beyond meetings and management. There are action steps that nearly every leader needs to know to align with their core values and get the important priorities done. Welcome to the Grow Forward Today podcast with Paul D. Casey. Whether you're just starting out as a leader in your organization or have been a seasoned professional who wants to explore new ideas and practices, this will be an enlightening and highly applicable program. And now, your host, Paul Casey. Ever had someone in your life that was further in their leadership journey than you were, who took the time and care to lift you to new levels? Today, on episode 32 of the Grow Forward Today podcast, you'll meet my guest, Lewis Mann. Lewis was my first mentor, and he continues to mentor those who plant new churches through being the academic dean for a virtual training program, even before COVID. With over five decades of leadership under his belt, he's got a lot of wisdom to infuse into our personal leadership development. Ready to grow forward? Welcome, friends. There I was in Southern California in my second year of teaching fifth grade. The year was 1992. I really thought I'd be a classroom teacher for the rest of my life when a new elementary principal was hired. In less than a year, he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, leadership. He called me into his office and asked if I'd consider being his part-time vice principal in the fall. I was taken aback. I didn't know what a vice principal even did. And what would I do for the other half of the day? Well, he creatively filled the second half of my day by making me a PE teacher, something that my dad did for his entire career. I got to see a great leader lead as his right-hand man and learn so much from him. Not everyone has a mentoring heart, but when you find someone willing to pour into you, it's gold. It was just two short years later that I moved here to Washington State as a three-quarter time vice principal, and then I became an elementary principal myself one year later. Talk about growth spurts. Wow. Well, my guest today is Lewis Mann. I want to share a little bit about Lewis with you. He was appointed with Missions Door in 2012 as the Dean of Education for CB Matrix, a distance learning program to train lay church leaders and planters. The program, which is entirely free, consists of a two-year continuum to help individuals enrich their church leadership skills, become church planters, or become members of a church planting team. CB Matrix connects instructors from around the country with local trainers and mentors who culturally and linguistically meet the needs of the participants. Lewis also has 40 years of experience in Christian education. That's over six schools that he was the leader of. And he is married to Ruth Ann. They were married in 1968 and have seven daughters and two sons. Eight of their children are married and have blessed the mans with 20 grandchildren and five great-grandchildren. And like I said, uh, Lewis was my first mentor, and he continues to mentor so many people today. And he even officiated my wedding. I got to throw that in there, too, because that's uh, that's pretty odd to have your boss officiate your wedding. So we've stayed connected all these years. Welcome, my friend. Well, thank you very much, Paul. It's a joy to be with you. I always enjoy spending time with you, although since we're about uh, 12, 1,500 miles apart, 
it's a little difficult to do on a regular basis, but uh, we have connected uh, on Zoom, we've connected uh, by email, and uh, it's always been a joy. And remember, you are one of our presenters on leadership, spiritual and natural leadership for CB Matrix. Yes, and what an honor that is. And you even made a special trip because you're on the road a lot. And uh, you even made a special trip out to Eastern Washington to uh, just have uh, have lunch with me and as one of your faculty. And I just thought that was that was wonderful to see you again. Well, it's I'm looking forward to our time together this morning. Well, Lewis, you've spent over 40 years in administration in Christian schools. Not too many people can say that. I can't think of anybody else. Uh, I know they're out there, but there's very few. What would you say was most rewarding from those four decades? Well, Paul, I'd have, I'd have to say that in reality, the most important thing to me, the, the greatest joy of my life looking back over those 40 years were relationships. Mm. Uh, I'm still I'm still in contact with students that I had when I first started teaching in 1972. <laughs> uh, so, in fact, some of my closest relationships uh, are those that uh, I had the opportunity of cutting my educational teeth in the classroom with them, and uh, that it, it's it's a real joy. And, and I'm very thankful for uh, social media and the ability to keep in touch with uh, not only students of mine that continue to reside in California, but students all across the United States. Uh, and in fact, uh, I've had several of them that have been missionaries uh, and have served overseas, uh, as well as those that have served overseas in uh, the military. In fact, one of my former students is... Uh, currently uh, uh, a chaplain within the Air Force Reserve and uh, works with the chaplaincy in the Pentagon. Wow. Yeah, I think, uh, and I saw your Facebook page. By the way, uh, you have done the most thorough job on your Facebook page than anyone I know. And what's funny is, you know, you are probably, I don't know how many years older than the typical Facebook user, and I say that very respectfully, my friend, but you have filled out like every single piece of your Facebook profile and not only just put a few words there, you put in paragraphs. So I wanted to praise you for that funny little uh, little thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's because I use social media, whether it be Facebook that you refer to or, or Instagram or whether it's LinkedIn, I try to use it to to continue relationships. Yeah. Uh, like I said, relationships and people are most important. And it's, believe it or not, it has also introduced me to a lot more people. Yeah. And uh, that, that's so great that social media, although it has many banes, you know, many, many negatives to it, um, that you and I use it for relationship building to be a positive light to the world out there. And so uh, there are many redeemable qualities of social media. And like you said, relationships being that number one thing. And in those 40 years, uh, 
Lewis, how did your leadership mature? Because, you know, you must have started when you were like five. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, and, but, you know, you were, you were a young man in those first leadership positions. And then to go to six schools, uh, I'm sure the lessons you learned uh, in the fire, you know, so to speak, of being a principal, because I've been there and I know how stressful it is. You, you matured over those years. How, how would you how could you describe that to our listeners? Well, to tell you the truth, just like almost anybody uh, who begins whatever career, uh, I started out uh, basically being a, a pretty self-assured, smart aleck, and I can do it better than anybody else. <laughs> and I, I got those wings clipped pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, you come in, you come into the classroom, and, and uh, you're only about uh, four or five years older than the students that you're teaching in the <laughs> senior class, and uh, they they have a way of helping you uh, eat humble pie, uh, <laughs> helping you to become uh, more uh, more concerned about them and their needs than you are about. Uh, your performance and how great you are, how wonderful you are. So, you know, I, I had to develop over the 40 years uh, an attitude of always being a learner, not always being in charge, but always being a learner that I, yes, I can, I have amount of knowledge uh, and I want to help my students not only know, but also understand, but also I want to, I can learn from them by observing them, by interacting with them. So I'm always learning, whether it's uh, uh, in books, in classes, uh, from other people, from my wife. She's a great teacher, uh, but always learning, never static. You know, don't stand still. Uh, I've run into so many teachers who are in the classroom and uh, they're teaching every day based on one or two years experience. Mm. In other words, they, they don't grow. They, they just keep using the same stuff over and over. Just be like a pastor who preaches five years and then always is going back to his file cabinet, pulling out one of his old sermons yeah. instead of continuing studying and learning. Um, and I don't want to be static. I want to always be fresh. I need to learn from my mistakes and I made plenty of them. Uh, and I have to recognize that Many times when I get my hand slapped by a school board or by an administrator that's over me that I'm accountable to, uh, I need to learn that there are mistakes that I have made. I am not perfect. And I need to listen and I need to seek advice. Yeah, so I'm hearing uh, an incredible amount of humility in that as well. Um, and that... Like you said, that the, the maybe the, the cocky arrogance or the uh, <laughs> thinking I, I know it all gets gets polished off of you uh, in the in the flames of <laughs> conflict and like you said, realizing that you're not perfect and um, if if you don't learn from this experience, you're going to repeat it. But what's interesting, uh, I think it's John Maxwell. He goes, you know, with with age comes wisdom, right? He goes, no, sometimes age comes alone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's what you said about the uh, some people just resting on the laurels of what they learned years ago. You know, I've got a, a real pertinent example of that. So I'm looking for a new uh, doctor, a new primary uh, 
primary physician. And, and I said, uh, so I got to do a meet and greet with this, with this gentleman. And uh, he said, you got any questions for me? I go, I want a doctor who's always learning. I want someone who in our conversations goes, you know, I was just reading the other day or, you know, a study just came out that, you know, and, and he said, that is totally me. Yeah. He goes, I'm based on the science, you know, and I've got a parent company that feeds me the latest research. And I thought uh, that was, that was a big plus on the list for choosing him to be my doctor. Yep. You know, when, you, when you started a new leader position to go to six different schools, you know, that's a lot of restarts, right? You, you had, you built more experience. Um, you learn what worked, what didn't work. Then you come into a new position and you're the newbie again. What were some of the top priorities in your first 90 days whenever you started a, a new leadership position? Well, as you could tell from my earlier answer, I'm all about people and relationships. Yeah. So whenever I started at a new school, I'm dealing with new people, people that I don't know, teachers, parents, students, board members, all of these are people who I am going to have to learn how to relate to, be able to understand them. So my first priority is going to be immediately begin developing those relationships, uh, being willing to listen carefully to what they're saying, observe, uh, begin to get to know them, who they are, what they think, uh, how they view uh, my position, what they expect out of me. So it's a, it's a learning experience for me to begin with as well, not just coming in and, again, uh, thinking that I have all the answers because I don't. I can't take what I have learned from the previous school or schools and think that I can apply that immediately in the new culture. I have to understand the culture in which I am placed and uh one of the best experiences I had was moving from a, a, a suburban school into a rural area when I moved up to Atascadero, California for a few years. And uh, that's cowboy country. I mean, <laughs> those, those are good old boys. And it was, I, I couldn't apply some of the things that uh, applied down in the LA basin uh, to up there in, in central California. So anyway, um, so that's it. Staff, parents, board members. Then I also have to become familiar with the history of the school. You know, what, why did it get started? What, what, is, what is the background? And, and understand that historical underpinning, as well as understand what their policies are. Their policies have already been established. I'm not the one that's, that's the first guy out of the shoe. So I have to look and see, okay, what policies do I have to uphold and force? Uh, and make a part of my administration. So those are probably the, the first things that I have to focus on moving into a new job. Yeah, I think every mentor I've had in my life has recommended to me in those first 90 days, it's all about relationship building. It's all about, yeah. like you said, listening, observing, learning their, um, their expectations of you, developing the relationships I like how you added there the understanding, the history and the culture in which you've been placed. And it's almost like taking this uh, this gemstone and looking all around and holding it in your hand and moving it around and seeing its effect on you and you on it. And 
Yeah, I think that's a great way to start instead of just saying we're changing everything. I, I was under one leader who did that before I got to the, uh, the nonprofit I was at, and uh, he lost two thirds of his people uh, as a yep. result yeah. of just yeah. coming in and just ripping through it. Yep, that's a danger. Got to watch out. Well, you've had a uh, boatload of kids on your own with Ruth Ann, and I'm just wondering what your struggles with school and home life balance were. I mean, I, I got to observe it a bit. Uh, I even had your daughter in my, one of my first classes. And how, how did you two make that work? You both were working, too. Well, of course, you know, when we first first got started, my wife was teaching as well as I first two years uh and then we got uh uh pregnant with the second daughter and um we decided that uh the most important thing was for her to stay at home with the kids so that the kids had uh, a solid base at home so uh, back in the day uh we were looking at contracts where we would both be pulling down a great sum of $12,000 a year between the two of us. <laughs> and uh, we immediately cut our income in half. And so that first year of uh, her staying at home, we lived on $6,000 a year uh, and, and God's grace. But you know what? Um, my wife is a big uh, reason that we were successful in that. Because she let me, she allowed me by being at home and, and ministering to the kids and as, as a mother should, she allowed me to spend those nights at meetings and uh, dealing with, with parents and whatnot, as well as during the school day. Um, and she worked really hard to make sure that when I came home, that the first thing that I met was not... Uh, a list of things that my kids did that I needed to deal with. <laughs> uh, but we work together and, and primarily, honestly, Paul, it's, it's love for one another, trust in each other, faith in each other. Um, also communicating with each other. Uh, the, all of that is, is important, but submitting to one another. I didn't take the position of, of lordship, so to speak. I'm the boss, it's my way or the highway. Uh, I had to learn to listen to her and mm -hmm. the wisdom of the woman that God gave me. So I have to credit certainly my wife, but ultimately God giving me just the right woman to meet my needs and to undergird my ministry because it wasn't just my ministry. It was our ministry for the Lord. And then at some point she went back into the librarian role, right? She she had a she got she went back got that librarian degree, right? Yeah. After after all the kids were in school, okay. Uh, our youngest, who is now thirty three, uh, in her uh, early fifties, she went back and got her master's degree in library information science. And uh, because she uh, has seizures and doesn't drive. Uh, it was my job to get her to a lot of her classes. Uh, so, again, God works things out, and, and we support and encourage one another. If, as you look back on uh, any of those years, anything you would change or um, that you would share with 
uh, husbands and wives that are both working and have children and somehow have to manage all that together? Well, <laughs> uh, advice is cheap. Uh, it, <laughs> that because everybody's circumstance is going to be unique, just as unique as we are unique as individuals. And I can't always say that, that any, what I come up with is going to be an absolute. What I could come up with a, a best guess. And, and again, communication, continually talking with each other, working together, uh, not having uh, an attitude that I know best and my spouse is uh, foolish are just like uh, Adam said to, to God, he said, uh, the reason that I, I ate that, that fruit from that tree is because this woman that you gave me, God, it's your fault. You know, <laughs> so, you know, I, as an example, we can't, we can't be looking and pointing the finger. We have to accept the responsibility of working together, loving our spouse. Um, so what can I, I say? Communicate in love. Be gracious to one another. Yeah, and I'm reading this book right now um, on sabbatical called The Second Mountain, which I'd recommend uh, all of you listeners, if you really want to go from just achievement and accomplishment to significance. And it talks about how the first mountain is all about uh, making a living, finding your career, starting your family, uh, and all that. And then some people stay in that first mountain for the rest of their lives. And it's marginally fulfilling. But if you can climb the second mountain, and that's where it becomes the selfless pursuit of something higher than yourself and making commitments in four different areas, which marriage is one of those, and a community and a vocation. Um, it's, it's really a powerful book. And I just finished a chapter on marriage, to your point there, uh, Lewis. And, and one of it is like you have to recognize your selfishness and in marriage, you have to, you know, own up to that. And then it's like, well, but you've, you've signed on for life with this person. You've, you've burned the boats behind you. So you're going to have to own your selfishness, turn that more into selflessness and service of this other individual that you're now with every waking moment uh, that you're not uh, at work. And then it becomes this beautiful thing that um, over time, and I think you're a, a great living example of this, over time, uh, it becomes even better and richer than it was when you first met. Would you, would you agree to that? Absolutely, Paul. Uh, but I also want to throw in, too, that, that once there are children involved, uh, the decision-making process needs to take into account that uh, you are accountable for raising your children, yes. not somebody else, not the government. You, God's going to hold each of us accountable for our children. Mm. So in decision-making, we have to make decisions based upon the well-being and the, and the nurture and admonition of our children before the Lord as number one priority. So whether we both work or whether we, how, how somebody works from home and somebody goes out, you know, however it works out in individual circumstances, those kids are the most important thing that we need to consider in making those decisions. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, because I think all the research plays out that 
you know, by age five, I mean, a lot of a child's um, spiritual moral development has has started to like um, ground in. And then by age, I think it's like 12. I mean, it's like 95% has been grounded in. Yep. So how did you to ingrain values into your children uh, throughout their childhood? Well, <clears throat> obviously we were, we were both very busy with Anne, of course was busy and she is the primary uh, person in the home to, to deal with the kids, their owies and their, their, their physical and emotional hurts. Uh, and she was a great mother, great job. But we ate together uh, at home at night. We communicated. Uh, we tried to have inconsistently because we're human, but we tried to have uh, devotional time. Uh, and my children were drug kids. They were drugged to church. They were <laughs> drugged to school. You know? yep. And not always, not always willingly, but... Uh, it was important. Um, we involved them in our lives as much as possible. Our kids would travel, uh, even as infants, to basketball games, football games, uh, soccer games, whatever was going on at school. Uh, if I was there as the administrator, or you know, taking my turn, or being responsible and being seen and working, my kids were there with us. And uh, throughout, they were passed throughout the stands, and so so they got. A community of support as well. <laughs> That's true. I mean, you think of all the stress that you all had to go to, dra dragging them around. Drug kids, I like that. Um, but they, but they also uh, were almost like the mascots of the schools, right? Because it was like, yeah, yeah. There's, there's the principal's yeah. kids. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever in feel fresh? Good. In those scenarios, that was good. There were times, however, being principal's kid. Uh, had its uh, great downsides. <laughs> we won't the fish go, bowls? We won't, yeah, we're not going to go in. We're not going to go into all those stories. The, there's many more things that you want to talk about. <laughs> but that's true. There's sort of a fishbowl effect uh, in leadership yep. when, when your kids are like right there with you. That uh, yep. probably had you gulp a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was not only their father. I was also their principal. Oh yeah, good part of their life. Yep, yep. I had that only for one year with my kids before I switched uh, switched over to being a family pastor. But yeah, I, I was I was wondering how that would play out if I would have stayed in that school. <laughs> <laughs> I always well, had somebody else the discipline for me with my yes. kids at school. I took care of it at home. Yes, yes. Well, let's take a quick break here, and uh, you're listening to the Goal, Grow Forward Today podcast on the Voice America Business Channel. You can find out more about me on Facebook at Growing Forward Services, and like I said, my guest, Lewis Mann, uh, has got a great Facebook page, and he is at Lewis W. Mann with two N's. We're going to be right back after this break. We're going to talk a little bit about how Lewis can actually set up a typical week for success when he's got to juggle lots of balls in the air. Stick with us. We'll be right back.
If you're a manager or supervisor trying to keep your team and yourself engaged, motivated, and accomplishing goals, then you want to check out Bullseye, Paul Casey's membership community for team leaders, coming alongside you to achieve confidence and success in leading your team. Within Bullseye, there are plug-and-play forms and tools, inspirational audios to pump you up, team player videos to play in staff meetings, icebreakers for your one-to-ones, and of course, interaction with Paul and other industry team leaders to chat about how to solve the problems you are wrestling with. Paul will bring on live experts once a month to answer your questions on their expertise, and he will ping you twice a week via text to encourage you in your pursuit of your goals. Finally, there is a resource for anyone who supervises others and wants to develop their potential. Check out Bullseye to find out more and subscribe today for the best rates they'll ever be at growingforwardservices.net. That's growingforwardservices.net. You're listening to the Grow Forward Today podcast. If you'd like to know more about Paul Casey or our program, please visit his website at growingforwardservices.net. Now, back to Grow Forward Today. Welcome back to Grow Forward Today. I am with my first mentor, Lewis Mann. Wanted to definitely get him in front of all of you listeners uh, because there are people in our lives that have made a powerful impact along the way. I was uh, in a leadership Tri-Cities, which is a group here in town that nurtures uh, 24 people from different professions, brings them all together for a year of learning about our area and also leadership. And uh, the last day is called Leadership Forward. And they, they bring in the sponsor and he's a great leader himself of one of the biggest companies in our area. And he said at every place where he had a growth spurt in his life, there was a mentor there that altered the course for the positive in his life. So that's why uh, I'm just so happy to put Lewis Mann in front of you today. So Lewis, there's a lot of complexity in being an academic dean of a distance learning program that trains church leaders in various areas of the country. And I think even some other countries. You're recruiting faculty, you're forming cohorts, you're aligning curriculum, you're coordinating technology. Okay, so how do you set up your typical week to juggle all those balls? Well, I'll tell you, remember, Paul, I am so old that um, (laughs) Moby Dick was a minnow when I was born. (laughs) But, and computers were not a thing. So I started out with... uh, uh, something very crude and uh, called day timers. Yeah, I'd always I'd always try to keep a uh, record of what my appointments were ahead of time, and uh, make notes to you know remind myself of things that were coming up. Uh, and it, basically, uh, even today with the added uh, addition of computers and all the technology, there's no substitute for planning. Yep. You've got to be. You've got to think ahead. You've got to set aside time for yourself to plan. Uh, my wife always refers to uh, needing to have lurcher notes. Uh, when she was in college, uh, one of her doctors, Doctor Lurcher, always carried a little pad of, of paper and a pen in his pocket. He'd write, jot down notes for himself, the things that he needed to remember. Well, I've got my. My iPhone, or, well, it's not an iPhone, it's actually an Android. I'm a cheaper, you know. Android, but, yes. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, 
I use that to, to write in there my tasks. I can access my, my calendar. So there again, planning, planning, planning. And I can't say enough about it. But then part of planning is organized. You know, you can list all the things you've got to do. If you know that it's coming up, but you have to organize. You have to look at your time. You have to say, okay, there's only 24 hours in a day. And some of that you need, if you're going to be effective in leadership, you have to sleep. And so consequently, you've got to set aside time to eat, to sleep, to do those things, which uh, including uh, plan and schedule free time, uh, exercise, all of, the, all of that. So those are all important and remain flexible because uh, scripture says that many are the plans in a man's heart, but God's purposes prevail. So <laughs> never are we absolutely rock solid in our planning, in our organization. There's always something because we're unique individuals and we deal with people. So there's always, you got to be on the balls of your feet all the time. Mm, so good. Yeah. I heard it said, I think it was Kuzas and Posner said, um, the difference between leaders and followers is the percentage of time spent forward looking. Uh, which, of yeah. course, is what you're talking about with the thinking ahead and planning, where a follower just says, tell me what to do and I'll do it, right? Or, yeah. you know, I'm really good at what I'm doing here uh, as an individual performer. I don't need any supervision. I'm just going to do this like I did yesterday. But a leader has to be thinking ahead and planning. And yet it's the one thing that seems to get crowded out first because of the pressures of the day. You've probably experienced this many times as a school principal, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, you know, the interruptions of, of, of what you plan to do. And, you know, you just have to, you always have to be thinking the most important thing is to meet the needs of people. Ah, it's yes. not, you know, if you're not meeting the needs of people, then what are you doing? You're just making widgets. Doesn't work for me. People's my business. It's what I'm called to do. Yes. Yes. And sometimes planning is helping you meet the needs of people, right? Uh, yes, just to put a, put, a, put a productivity spin on that uh, great line. The most important thing of leader is to meet the needs of people. Sometimes somebody needs you to uh, prepare something so that it does meet their needs. And so then you have to make that time. And even if somebody comes up to your door and says, do you got a minute? Probably every one of those moments is a sort of a values clash. Like this person's important in front of me, but I also am ready to prepare for this other person for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, take good care of yourself with self-care, uh, because if you are burned out, you're no good for anybody and you can't meet the needs of other people. Absolutely. And remaining flexible, I, I just picture like the ready position in sports, you know, like on the balls of your feet, like you said, leaning forward, eyes locked and loaded, hands available like to, well, I was a volleyball guy, you know, so it's hands ready to, to get in, in the position to bump the ball or set the ball or spike the ball. I, I just sort of picture that image of leadership being in that ready position for whatever comes at you. Well, when I was in Little League as a little tight, Paul, they put me in right field. <laughs> oh. I was too busy watching the butterflies and 
and the planes <laughs> flying over. And not a whole lot of people hit to right field. So uh, I had to learn a lesson there, too. Oh, that's funny. The right field people, you're probably smiling at the rest of us that if that's where you got put, you know why you were put there, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Well, in your role, you you literally right now, Lewis, have to raise your own financial support to keep a roof over your head and put food on the table for you and Ruth Ann. How stressful is that? Well, uh, if I trusted in myself and myself alone, Paul, it would be very, very stressful. But I, I am thankful. And, and of course, I'm coming from, from a, a worldview, a, a Judeo-Christian worldview, that I believe that God takes care of those that are obedient and following him and doing his work. So, uh, yes, it, it, it is stressful and very humanly. There are anxious moments in my life that I worry about things. But uh, quite honestly, I deal with it by, by prayer and, and taking things to the Lord. And he provides the comfort and the peace that I need and helps me remain not stress-free. because, Like I said, I'm human, but helps me handle the, the stress. And I'm sure it takes some relationship building skills to get folks to support you financially, right? What skills yeah. would you say are those, not just if there were another listener that also had to raise their own financial support, but just what are those relationship skills that are applicable to any persuasive endeavor? Well, almost anything that you do in leadership, you need to person be able to persuade people to do something, yep. to become involved. Uh, it doesn't really work uh, to ask for volunteers to sign up for something that, that, that you don't have some kind of a care art hanging out there. So if you really want people to be involved, um, you want them to be involved and, and catch the vision of your ministry and what you're doing. So a, as an individual, you need to establish your own credibility. They have to be able to see that you are a genuine person, that you're not used car salesman, that they're, <laughs> you know, that you're not just feeding them a line for your own personal gain, that you have their interest and the interest of the people that you are serving uh, at heart and that you are genuine. Um, why should you believe me? Well, you've got to be able to sell yourself. You've got to be able to sell your vision. Uh, you know, you have to be able to do an elevator speech a lot of times, you know, from maybe up three floors. Uh, yep. When I first started, when I first started uh, working and practicing on elevator speeches, as one of my former board members told me, who is the uh, CEO of Advanced Micro Devices, uh, he told me, Lewis, you got to be, you got to get them on the three floors, not 12. So you have to you have to practice. You have to work on that. Uh, you need to know your mission. You need to believe in your mission. You need to communicate your mission. And it's all about first establishing credibility in a relationship so that they'll listen to you share your mission. Well, that's a funny uh, twist on elevator speeches because I the way I was taught it was you're on a elevator to a high rise building. Uh, like in Seattle, and you've got that much time to tell them your vision, you know, from the time you are on your floor to the other floor. But I like what you said. It's sort of like 
three floors up versus 12 floors up. It, it's sort of, it's sort of like telling you what, how much vision, because you can overwhelm people um, and the different personality styles, you know, somebody might like the 12 floor vision and uh, that's the only way they're going to get involved with you. But the rest of the people, if you give them too much of that, they're going to be overwhelmed by it and say, oh, I, I can't go with you on that journey. So you got to give them the three floor vision. That's so good. <laughs> you bet. And you've got some favorite quotes on your Facebook page. As I was teasing you earlier, actually, I was praising you earlier that you literally put favorite quotes and you had like 12 or 15 of them on there. So I wanted to debrief a couple because it's going to say something about you uh, and uh, the value you're adding to all of us today. One of them, um, uh, Henri Frederick Amiel, if I'm saying it right, he says, thankfulness Amiel. is the beginning of gratitude. Gratitude is the completion of thankfulness. Thankfulness may consist merely of words, but gratitude is shown in acts. How do you practically live out that life of gratitude, Lewis? Well, thankfulness and gratitude, if I can draw a parallel, is kind of like happiness and joy. Yeah. Happiness, happiness is fleeting. You know, we, you know, the Constitution says we have, we have the right to pursue happiness. Well, it's always a pursuit because it, flee, it flees away. It's yep. temporary. Whereas joy is something that is, is an internal attitude of, of uh, well, basically a, a, a sense of God's presence in our lives. In spite of circumstances, we have joy. Uh, Gratitude and thankfulness is uh, thankfulness and gratitude is much the same thing. You know, it's easy to say when you receive something or when somebody does something for you, they thank you. But that's much more surface response. But if you are really grateful for what they have done, it means that you are you become subservient or you want to help them. You, it, it increases your desire to be involved with them. Uh, in service, in ministry, um, you want to, you want to. It's not necessarily repay, but you you appreciate what they have done with for you so much that you want to be engaging with them in ministry together, in in mission together, in purpose together. So, how does it work out? Um, have an attitude of gratitude. That's the most important thing. And it's, it's not necessarily something that you can make. It's, it's an attitude that comes um, basically, well, I would say my gratitude comes from being thankful of all the things that the Lord has done for me. But my gratitude is ultimately because he has ultimately given me salvation. He's, he is the key to my life on this earth, but also I believe that he's the key to my life for eternity. I love how you drew that parallel, happiness and joy, which also was in this book, by the way, that I was uh, the second mountain that I was plugging today about thankfulness and gratitude. Well, I've never heard it said that way so eloquently, uh, the difference between those two, because I've always made them synonymous until I saw this quote, and then I thought, oh, I'm going to probe that with you. It's almost like uh, being sympathetic of someone's pain and going, oh, I'm sorry you're going through that. 
versus compassion, which is like, I'm going to start a GoFundMe. I'm going to deliver meals to your house. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to do all these other things that I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to spring into action. I'm not just going to go, Oh, I'm sorry that that happened to you. Um, there, there is another the, step. Yeah. Yeah. Just say the platitude. Well, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, gratitude is showing your thankfulness. Yes. Yes. Another quote, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. I've heard this one before. Nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm. So I know, Lewis, you've never retired. Like some people your age would be like, I'm done. I'm just going to play golf every day and or sit on the boat uh, or, or whatever. How did you maintain your enthusiasm for each school you led and now for CB Matrix in your second half of life? Well, um, certainly as I grow older, uh, I get tired faster. <laughs> but at the same time, um, it's not something that I conjure up. It's something that, that I have enthusiasm for because it's something I believe in. Mm. I believe, believe that I have a purpose in life, that, that when, when I was created and formed in my mother's womb, that God had a purpose for me. And I want to live to the end of my days, to my dying breath, fulfilling that purpose. Yeah. Um, I, keep, I keep going back to Acts chapter 13, where Paul is talking to the people in uh, Greece, and he's talking to them about the fact that, that uh, you know, David, when he fulfilled God's purpose for his generation, died. Well, that's what I want to be said of my life. Yeah. I want to be able to fulfill God's purpose in my lifetime for his glory, not for me. Because once I'm gone, uh, just like Job says, you know, I'm, I'm dust, you know. And so consequently, who's going, eventually people are going to forget me, but they're not going to forget the things that I was able to accomplish in my, my lifetime for God's good. Mm, so good. And uh, Lewis, you'll have to plug your ears for a moment. But friends of Lewis that are listening to this today, we all got to gather together and make sure that gets on his tombstone someday. Okay, back, back, <laughs> back, to the, uh, back to the interview. All right. Well, let's talk mentoring. I consider you my first mentor. You saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And I still say that in my testimony or my story to this day when I meet people. And now look at me. I'm coaching and mentoring others for a living. Yes. Don't let this happen to you. No, just kidding. I, 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 I have, I have enthusiasm because of purpose. Just to back up what you said, what does it take to be a mentor, Lewis? Well, it, what it takes is not necessarily something that you can go to school or you can read books by John Maxwell or whoever. It, it's you know, being a mentor has to be something that we consider a calling. It's a willingness to be used. Uh, I, I go back to, uh, if I'm going to be a mentor, then I'm going to fulfill what Jesus uh, himself said to his disciples, who he was mentoring, right? Uh, back in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, he says, go into all the world and teach others. Be my disciples, make disciples, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And though I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. So if I'm going to reflect 
Christ in my life, I'm going to want to be a mentor. I'm going to be a light. I'm going to try to, as Paul told Timothy, go teach others so that they can teach others beyond, beyond themselves. So that's what being a mentor is all about. It's being available, being wanting to be used for good. And it doesn't have to be something fancy. It doesn't have to be something where you hang a shingle. It just means willingness. And somebody that can be in a factory running a, a milling machine somewhere can still mentor somebody who is standing at the machine next to them during breaks, during, you know, whoever, whoever God puts in that empty seat beside you on the airplane just for that short flight, you can mentor them. They can become disciples if they are willing to give you the opportunity to share, if they want to listen. Now, if they want to plug their ears and they want to focus on what they're, some movie, that's, that's fine. But you're still mentoring people all the time. Even you don't know it, you're mentoring people because they're watching your life. You may not be aware of it, but you are a mentor. Yeah, you, what you have just done is, I was going to say lower the bar to be a mentor, but I don't mean it that way. I mean, making it, making it more of an everyday uh, possibility for everyone, no matter how old you are, how much experience you have, you have the opportunity every day to mentor a stranger or a loved one or a colleague that is right next to you. I love that, the availability and that willingness to help somebody get a little bit better. So listeners, I would encourage you that if you've, uh, oh, I don't have anything to offer to be a mentor. Like somebody asked me to be their mentor, I'd be like, no, 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 I got nothing. Cause I've asked many people over the years and they all in deep humility say, oh, I don't have, I don't have anything that I could uh, possibly offer you, Paul. And I'm like, well, I, I see something in you that I would like to model after. So if you would just be willing, we won't call it mentorship then we'll just call it, you know, having coffee together. <laughs> and then they were like, oh, okay. It's like, it's like the word sort of made it too formal, but what yeah. you just did is you shared that it's like, no, this is an everyday skill. Uh, and it just comes from a heart of wanting to help others grow. Well, yeah. Lewis, let me ask you this. So if you wanted to be mentored by someone, which uh, as you led with earlier in this, uh, in this episode, having that learner mindset, I think most learners do want a mentor. How do, how do you get one? What, what would you say to someone who wants to be mentored? Well, you certainly don't put an, a want ad in the newspaper or, <laughs> or post it on Facebook. But basically, we all, if, if we want to find somebody to mentor us, first of all, we have to look for somebody who exhibits what we want to become. So, you know, certainly what is... What is your motive for looking one a mentor? Uh, people who come and seek you out, uh, seek you out because they there are leadership principles that are applicable in their job and, and where they work and in their life that they feel like they can get from you. Uh, and it's certainly uh, admirable to be able to, well, actually, I think it's better, much better to have a mentor that is personal rather than just reading all of the millions of self-help books that are out there that, sure. that, you know, although you do a good job of recommending books uh, and they're good quotes, uh, they're always good quotes out there that we can apply to our lives. 
but there's nothing better than that personal relationship mentoring uh, because you have somebody mentoring you that you admire, you look up to, and you want to be like them. Remember King Louie in the Jungle Book? I want to be like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, so it's finding someone you admire that they have character traits that you want to achieve. I assume if it was on a, on a work side of things, it may also be an industry, maybe have some industry knowledge or wisdom that, that also you would, um, you would want them to inculcate into you, into your life. But that availability and willingness to give you their time is probably oh, yeah. the biggest deal. Yeah, that's true. If, and you don't give up looking for somebody to mentor you simply because they say, well, I'm not worthy. Or I don't have the time, uh, you know, okay, Lord's not opening that door. Move on and find somebody else. Find somebody that's willing because it's, again, it's got to be a willing relationship interaction. Somebody that's willing to invest time, but also to, to um, care about you enough to get to know you. Yes. Because what I've found the best mentoring relationships are, is just life on life, right? It's just, it's just debriefing yep. uh, what's going on, the decisions I must make, the conflicts that I'm in and saying, do, do I have this right? Sometimes a mentor is just says like, yeah, you're on the right track. And they just encourage or build courage into you to keep going down the path you're already going. Mm. Yeah. Well, last couple of questions for you, my friend. What do you want to promote for our listeners' personal leadership development and how could a listener best contact you if they wanted to follow up? Well, I, I would say to, to the listeners that if, if you really want to develop leadership um, within your own life, first of all, you want to focus upon your own character. Development, your, develop your own character, your integrity. Um, all, all of the things that go into one's character and you don't want to be someone who seeks uh, to be a leader only because of you're seeking prestige or power or wealth or whatever you define as success. You want to, you want to be a leader who believes in, vision, in your vision and purpose and that there is a reason for doing what you're doing. So that's, that's how we develop our personal leadership skills is developing our character. Uh, you can reach me uh, certainly at my email address, uh, my personal email address. It's L-W-M-A-N-N at prodigy, P-R-O-D-I-G-Y dot net. Um, and, uh, or you can find out more about me and my work by going to www.cvmatrix.org. That's the... Uh, uh, ministry uh, that I work with, but also we're under the umbrella of www.missionsdoor.org, which uh, has my bio, my picture, and my picture is pretty nice because my wife is in it. She enhances it greatly. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, Lewis, thank you for the value that you've added to my life uh, through many years and the value that you added to our podcast listeners today. Thanks for letting me share today, Paul. 
Well, I've got some takeaways from Lewis today, some keepers worth mentioning. And uh, let's see, I started out by just writing down, you have to have this humility posture of a learner mindset as a leader, never static. It's a dynamic personal and professional growth that uh, your people need to see in you in order to want to follow you. We talked about communication being the key to a marriage partnership. That might've been a duh in some ways, but it's uh, really the way that you're gonna get to that fulfillment that you want in your relationship. And then that bleeds over into your parenting. If you're in those first 90 days of leadership, you've got to do relationship building. As you heard Lewis say, it's all about listening and observing, learning their expectations of you and understanding the history and culture of your department or organization. He also shared about when you're trying to persuade someone, whether you're in sales or just in leadership with vision, you got to sell yourself first. You've got to have that credibility and then sell the vision. And sometimes that's just three floors up and not 12 floors on that elevator speech. And then uh, I'll add that last thing that enthusiasm really comes from your purpose. Enthusiasm coming from purpose, because if you want to stoke it, you've got to get reconnected to your big why. Well, the GFT podcast is all about putting practical tips from my guests into action for your personal leadership development. I want to thank you for listening to episode 32. Please spread the word about this podcast to those in your circle of influence who are hungry to grow forward in their lives. Remember, you must lead yourself well before you can lead your team well. And until next week, keep growing forward. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of Grow Forward Today. Remember to visit Paul's website for more tools that you can use at growingforwardservices.net. Join us again for another edition very soon on the Voice America Business Channel.